spoken word. A taste of Melbourne's diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Good morning and welcome to Spoken Word. I'm Tina Giannoukas, 3CR broadcast from Wurundjeri land of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. The unlawful invasion of Ukraine by Russia earlier this year has shocked poets the world over. As the assault on Ukraine continues, poets within and outside Ukraine have turned to poetry to express their feelings and thoughts on the war. Today on the program I have with me one of Melbourne's well-known poets, creative writing teacher, gig convener and composer of haiku, Myron Lysenko, to talk about haiku as an act of resistance. Myron has written more than 100 haiku against the war since the invasion of Ukraine by Russia in February this year. Myron is the son of post-World War II Ukrainian migrants and remains close to his Ukrainian ancestry. Myron, welcome to the program. You're no strange to spoken word, having previously appeared on the program to talk about haiku as an art form. Since the start of the war in Ukraine, you've been writing haiku against the Russian invasion. I think you've written more than a hundred so far. Would you say that this brief poetic form that is a haiku can carry the anguish of war and function as a poetry of resistance? Well, it's a very difficult question to start with. I don't know if it can carry the anger of war completely because the the haiku really is an open-ended poem and it's very short. So, But it works as a po- poem of resistance because uh, it's important for Ukrainian people in Ukraine and around the world that uh, this war is kept in the people's uh, consciousness. Social media is one place where I where I where I put my haiku, especially the ones that uh, that have been published in one of the haiku magazines. And uh, so the, it's they're short poems, and uh, and they have resonance because people read them with uh, the background of the news with them. So, I believe one of the poems by Basho, uh, a famous one, uh, "Summer Grasses," is uh, a haiku that. We can see as a poem of uh, resistance or questioning the futility of war. That particular haiku, and I'm reading here a translation by, by R.H. Blythe, are summer grasses, all that remain of the warrior's dreams. Hearing that haiku, how does that make you uh, react to, to the invasion of Ukraine? Well, Basho is the, the premier haiku poet and uh he's always an inspiration to me but but he but he wrote in the 1700s uh, more recently during the second world war uh, a lot of the japanese haiku uh, well a certain a certain amount of the the japanese haiku poets began to write about the war in uh, using haiku and uh, quite often uh, they were quite surrealistic and 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 those poems were 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 inspirational for me, really, because uh, you know, because as you know, haiku is quite often about uh, nature, about pretty things, you, and and you try to see the uh, the beauty of the moment in ordin- ordinary things, and uh, 
the war poetry is completely different to that. Can you read us some of your own haiku? Sure. So, so these are basically. So I'm writing. I'm writing. A, I'm trying to assemble a book of of, uh, of war poems, and it's called a "Missile in an Armchair." So, day one, Russia starts to lose the war. So yeah, it's a hopeful, hopeful poem. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the kind of thing that a lot of the Ukrainian people believe that we will win the war, you know, even though we're fighting against uh, extreme odds. But, uh, you know, the, if, if we lose this war, we're going to lose our country, our language and our culture. So it's important, it's very important to us. And uh, as a Ukrainian, you know, I was brought up to always think of Ukraine as my homeland. And at sc- when I went to school, people would say, you know, you're not Ukrainian because you were born in Australia. And I went home and I said to my father, what, you know, what, what do I do? They're, they're saying I'm not Ukrainian. They're, they're saying I'm, I'm Australian. He said, well, you go back to school and say, if a horse is born in the pig pen, does that make a horse a pig? I'm Ukrainian and always will be. And uh, so... So in that sense, the war, despite you having been born in Australia, brought up in Australia, writing in English... Uh, the war is has a, a personal resonance for you as someone of Ukrainian descent. And the writing of these uh, haiku could be seen by you as a, an act of resistance to the, to the war. Sure, it's an act of resistance, it's an act of reportage, and it's, you know, I basically see it as my duty. You know, where, when the war happened, I was thinking, what can I do? And, uh, and writing haiku was one small thing that... Uh, uh, that I could do, and so it's a brief form. It's three lines, five syllables in the first, seven syllables, seventeen syllables in the second, five in the third. That's the strict form, isn't it? Well, that's that's the primary school form, really. That, yes. Uh, or that's one way that you can write them, and and most people who write haiku started off with that. Yeah, you know, five syllables on the first line, seven on the second, and five on seven, the third. Seven, not seventeen. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, when I started reading English language haiku, and there's a big difference between English language haiku and, and Japanese haiku, but when I started reading them, you know, they, uh, they, they were very rarely 17 syllables. I, I think uh, listeners would like to hear some more of your haiku against the war. Sure, I only read Run, didn't I? Didn't I? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, the missile lands in an armchair, Russian invasion. Told to surrender by a warship commander, the border guards expletive. War criminal Putin hiding in a bunker going bonkers. Third birthday, explosions and gunfire at the girl's window. Chernobyl plant captured by Russian forces, spring chill. Okay, so then there's this one, uh, Russians are coming. The hero blows up a bridge and himself. Bombed barns, enemy tanks out of fuel, stuck in the mud. Myron, you've already touched on this, but I'd like to ask to explore that question a little bit, uh, a little bit more. As a person of Ukrainian descent, what this war means to you personally? And one of your haiku uh, reads: "Wood end to Ukraine by day and night." Online news. And it leaves me with a deep intensity of feeling towards a homeland 
regardless of the circumstances. So this suggests to me that you're closely tied to Ukraine and your haiku, your haiku against the war, is something deeply meaningful to you. What is your own um, perception of, of this? Well, you know, Russia's been uh, invading Ukraine for centuries. That's that's kind of the the Russian job is to try to get rid of the Ukrainians and the Ukrainians' job is to try to keep the Russians out of Ukraine. I was brought up as a Ukrainian. Now, Ukraine, Ukrainian was my first language and I was part of the Ukrainian culture, especially on weekends. You know, during the week I'd be an Australian schoolboy and on the weekends I'd be a Ukrainian boy. I would go to Ukrainian school on a Saturday and then... Uh, I was, church on Sunday morning and then a concert or, or some kind of lunch or community lunch uh, in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, I was always brought up to always be proud of my country and, and never forget my country. And so when the war came, I just thought it was my duty to write haiku about them. Mm. Do you have um, some more haiku you can read for us? Sure. Crocus shoots... Russian soldiers dig trenches in a nuclear forest. So the Russians in, uh, the Russians came around Chernobyl, but they dug trenches there and then uh, and they disappeared pretty quickly after that. Want to be a deserter or fertiliser, Ruski? Sunflower seeds. So a lot of these, uh, a lot of these poems I, I found on the... I did research on the, on the internet. So basically... Uh, the book is in a couple, a few sections. One section is uh, set in Ukraine and the other section's uh, set in Australia. Hope and resilience. The girl sings Let It Go in a Bunker. So that was an eight-year-old girl who, who sang that to, to cheer the people up uh, in Kiev when, uh, uh, on the 24th of February when the war began again. Spring Breeze, a young cellist, plays Bach in the bombed capital. COVID outbreak, keep a safe distance between you and any Russian. Zelensky visits the ruins of Butcher, mass grave genocide. Clear skies, 10th Russian general killed in ambush. Hi, my name is Bundalini, also known as Robbie Thorpe. I want to invite you to the 2022 Beyond the Bars CD launch on Thursday the 10th of November at Arnie Elmer Thorpe's Gathering Place, Dadi Manwaro, 546 to 550 High Street, Preston. There will be a panel discussion on First Nations incarceration and justice, some live music with Amos Roach and free copies of this year's Beyond the Bars CD. Thursday, the 10th of November, Arnie Alma Thorpe's Gathering Place, Dadi Manmaru, 6 to 8pm. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au backslash beyond the bars. Tina Janukas, and I'm talking with Myron Lysenko, 
on 3CR's Spoken Word program on the possibilities of haiku as a poetry of resistance. Hearing these haiku, I can uh, I sense that they're an immediate response to events happening in uh, Ukraine and uh, uh, things that have been reported on the news or things that we read in the uh, in the newspaper or online reports. So this is um, a collection of haiku you are now putting together to form a collection of poetry. Is that right? Uh, that's right, yeah. Would you like to talk about how you perceive this collection being? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to write it. I don't know what's going to happen to it in the, uh, eventually. But, you know, it's, uh, it's reportage, really. So you're thinking here of the haiku as resistance, as reportage, as observation, as reaction. That's right. So is it coming, is the haiku coming out of a place of emotion, uh, filtered through the poetry, or is it more like an act of uh, political resistance? Uh, probably both, really. When I write my poems, you know, I... I don't really feel it much emotion when I I basically try to look for the the haiku is basically two images in in juxtaposition. So one of the images uh, quite often has to do with uh, uh, with the seasons, with the with the the, the change in the seasons, and uh, the other section of the haiku uh, has to do with uh, what's happening at the moment. How does that um, come through in some of your haiku? Perhaps you could read us some more haiku that uh, speak to that. Okay, well, this one, for instance, uh, this one, uh, this one is about uh, some journalists who were held up by uh, a Russian soldier who kept threatening them, singing the anthem into the barrel of a gun, crocuses buried in snow. So there's there's a poem in two sections that the singing the anthems. So these journalists got down on their knees and sang into the rifle, Ukraina, which is the Ukrainian uh, national anthem, which is a very sad anthem. It's basically transfer, uh, translated as Ukraine has not died yet, which is a you know, it's it's a very mournful yes, uh, it did yes uh, national anthem. Uh, and, that, and that national anthem came came from a poet, and so so we have uh, we have the journalists, well, we have these people singing into the into the barrel of the gun, and then uh, I've got uh, the second part of the section with the seasonal uh, reference is the the crocuses buried in snow, and uh, and that I'm hoping it will imply that you know these Ukrainians are are going are going to get killed. And they'll and they'll be buried because uh, you know the the Russian army is not just killing the the soldiers; they're targeting civilians all over Ukraine. It's mm. a terrible thing. So here's one. Now, so the Ukrainian resistance goes back to the to the Cossacks. The uh, and so this one is resisting with Cossack hearts, blood on snow. Uh, and this one's about the sinking of uh, Russia's premier warship, uh, which is called the Moskva. But I've, I've written it, uh, Moscow sinks deep into the Black Sea, Good Friday. So there, there's another one where Good Friday is a, is a seasonal reference as well. And in, in this case, you know, because we were overjoyed when, uh, 
when when that ship was was sunk. So Good Friday works as as the date that it happened, and also uh, uh, our feeling of celebration of that. Fighting the enemy with sticks and molotovs, broken food chain. New offensive, girl shot in the face by a Russian soldier. Myron, uh, poetry may not stop war, and I think we all wish it would, but do you think that poets uh, have a poetic responsibility to respond to war through their poetry in some way? Uh, And I'm thinking here of one of your recent haiku, yellow leaves all over the gardens, please stop Putin. There's always this dialogue in uh, Western culture about whether poetry has any value in war or whether poetry can stop war. And uh, I'm just interested in exploring that question with you, given that you are explicitly writing poems about the war in Ukraine. I don't think poetry can stop war, but uh, it, it can help with, uh, with morale, really. The, in, in Ukraine, uh, the, uh, poetry is uh, very highly respected. And a lot of people, one of their earliest ambitions is to be a, uh, you know, for a, a big percentage of people, it's to be a poet. You know, it's either I want to be a doctor, I want to be an engineer, or I, I want to be a poet. Or, or, or sometimes both of them, and uh, so there are a lot of I've I've, uh, I've I've seen videos of Ukrainian poets going to war and reading poems to the to the soldiers before they go into battle, and also also the soldiers re- uh, are sent by their families because there's there's internet there's uh, there's lots of social media in Ukraine, and so uh, family members send poems to the soldiers. To, to cheer them up and, and to, to lift their morale. In fact, one of the uh, most poignant images coming out of the war have been, um, uh, whether as uh, newspaper stories or online uh, videos or news reports on TV, of Ukrainians reading poetry in the bunkers, uh, writing poetry. So um, it, it's quite an extraordinary thing to see this uh, turn... Uh, to poetry, or from what you're saying, this constant relationship to poetry that Ukrainians have. And uh, your own response through your haiku seems to be an aspect of, of that uh, of that in your own her- heritage. You're using poetry to uh, mark your own resistance and uh, uh, to war. So I'd love to hear some more haiku from you. Okay, yes, I'll read some more poem, uh, haiku later, but I just want to read a poem by uh, a Ukrainian uh, poet. Now, I, w- I was asked by the editor of a, of a magazine, uh, uh, Ted Riley, to, to submit some uh, poems uh, to this uh, journal called Azuria, and he also asked me to find a, 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 Ukraine, a young Ukrainian poet uh, who, who would be willing to be published in uh, Ukrainian and English and uh, I asked a few of my friends Ukrainian friends the well, the academic Ukrainian friends if they knew of any and one one of them suggested this poet and her name is Yulia Musukovska and she lives in western Ukraine in Lviv and uh, spends a lot of her time 
uh, in a in a bunker, and uh, she's written quite a few uh, poems about the war, going back to uh, 2014 when uh, when this first war this war, war first started. And I just want to read this poem by her. It's published in Azuria. Uh, it's called The Spartan Boy by Yulia Musakovska. The war that you've been carrying in your shirt pocket gnawed a hole in you as if it were a fox. Your heart keeps falling out. I am sewing the hole shut, firmly holding the edges together with my numb, unbending fingers. I hope it stays closed a little longer. When the city falls asleep, the black caterpillars of scars wake up and only death's head will emerge. The city pours steam out of its nostrils and sets its hills like horns. You have a vision of your mates' faces at the bottom of the lake, a dark fairy tale from your childhood that came to life. Although you were polite, respected elders, and were easily content. Actually, there is no such thing as justice. The scratched steel mug you never part with, your superficial sleep and fierce hate of fireworks. What a lucky one! He could have lost so much more. He's almost whole, they say. You have chosen me because of my skillful, sensitive fingers. I'm comfortable holding a needle with them. The fox is peering out of your pocket, licking its lips, recalling what my bird of peace tasted like. That's quite a remarkable poem. What does that poem uh, make you think about when you read that poem? Well, it's, uh, it's the loss and grief of, of the loss of freedom. It's a, uh, it's a very uh, emotional poem. But the emotion is 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 carried in uh, in its surreal, surrealistic images, and uh, you know, I I admire the, the the craft of this poem. It's a very beautiful poem, and I'm thinking here of Ukraine's national poet uh, Taras Shevchenko, who is playing a, quite a pivotal role in the lives of Ukrainians um, at this time. I also believe he wrote the national anthem. Is that right, or am uh, I wrong no, he, about that? He, he didn't write the national anthem, but no. uh, it was the national anthem was written by a poet uh, at the end of the uh, the nineteenth century. Okay, so what does uh, Taras Shevchenko mean to you? Well, Taras Shevchenko, he's he's a famous Ukrainian poet. He's the he's our equivalent of Shakespeare, and he was uh, he was a poet uh, of um, of uh, rebellion and resistance uh, against uh, Russian impression, impressions, uh, uh, Russian um, oppression. He was a, a former serf, wasn't he, under Tsarist rule? He was, he was, and uh, he was, uh, he was. He's considered the father of uh, modern Ukrainian literature, and uh, uh, every year uh, we celebrate his birthday. Yeah. So he's a symbol of Ukrainian uprising. And independence, and he one of the one of his lines that the Ukrainians always think about is uh, "fight and you shall prevail," uh, which became the motto of the Ukrainian resistance in 2014 during the so-called Revolution of Dignity in Kiev. 
and people uh, people admire uh, Shevchenko not only for his uh, poetry of resistance, but also bec- that he wrote in Ukrainian because a lot of the uh, a lot of the poets and writers in Ukrainian had to write in Russian to get uh, to get published. But uh, Shevchenko celebrated the Ukrainian language and wrote in the Ukrainian language, and and he's a he's a hero to many. Ukrainian poets, and then during this war, he becomes even more of a more of a hero. Has he influenced your writing in any way, particularly um, at this time as you're writing your haiku? Maybe subconsciously. You know, my father used to read uh, uh, Tarashevchenko's poems to us, and he even had uh, uh, one of uh, a couple of verses of of Shevchenko's uh, framed and on a piece of embroidery. And so, you know, that, that was always in a prominent position in our house. And so, and I've heard uh, Shevchenko's poems you know, over and over again lots of times. And uh, they are, they are inspirational to me. Yeah. Would you like to read some more haiku? Sure. Uh, so, Mariupol bombed month after month. Lucky it's not war, eh? So many shot in the head, my exploding brain. Volya, a Ukrainian word for freedom, sunshine on Jew. Now this poem, uh, so this poem, Volya in Ukrainian means uh, means freedom, freedom, and uh, you know because Russia is trying to, is trying to uh, wipe out our language. Uh, some of these poems do contain uh, Ukrainian words, and "Sunshine on Jew" is uh, is from the national anthem. Our, our enemies will disappear like sunshine on Jew. So, "Heroyem Slava," all the dead people we love. So, "Heroyem Slava" is Ukrainian for uh, uh, glory to our heroes. All we crave, our freedom and our peace. Slava Ukraini. And Slava Ukraine is uh, glory to Ukraine. I believe your daughter has been writing some haiku as well. Is that right? That's right. And she'd like you to read them on air? Yeah, she said uh, she'd be happy for me to read them on air. So she wrote this. She's 11 now, but she wrote this uh, uh, when she was still 10. So I'll read uh, read, uh, half a dozen of hers. Crying country, Putin bombs a children's hospital. Bombing land, the weeping man holds his daughter. Screaming pets, bombs echo around Ukraine. The girl gets shot by a missile on her bike. People hide in the train station as a bomb flies. Sobbing schoolgirls, parents hug them tight. So uh, she's also had some of these published. Marin, you also set up a, a Facebook page, Poets Against Putin, and uh, what did you hope to achieve with that page? Well, I, I just wanted, uh, I just wanted the uh, the war to to remain uh, on social media, really, and uh, that's that's really the only reason why. And it, uh, you know, people put poems in there, they put opinions in there, they put art on uh, art on there. It's it's a it's a lovely little site, mm. Poets Against Putin. Anyone can join. Would you like to go out on a final two or three haiku? Oh, okay. So, so maybe uh, open field, 
The Russian soldier is a scarecrow. A destroyed tank, the perfect spot for bird nests. Russian technology. Words in blood, the young poet killed in action. And I'll, I'll read you one more, which, uh, which I wrote when I went uh, on a rally for Ukraine, to stand with Ukraine at Federation Square. Vigil for Ukraine. Marches carry the largest flag ever seen. This flag was like about five, five semi-trailers long. 100 people carrying the Ukrainian flag during the rally. Amazing. It was been quite a, a remarkable image and it's found its way into your haiku. Yeah. Myron, well, um, thank you for appearing on Spoken Word today. Your most recent collection is A Ghost Gum Leans Over and that was published by Flying Island Books. It's a book of haiku. Where can people uh, buy this collection? Basically, you have to uh, you have to either find the uh, the publisher on the internet, Flying Island Books, or you can contact me either through Facebook or or through your friendship groups. Uh, you have been listening to Myron Lysenko on Spoken Word 3CR.